We here at Salem Academy feel that girls of good breeding are more easily groomed into young ladies of culture and refinement. Satan, everyone, and welcome to Exploit It, the show where we talk about exploitation and cult films. I'm Alexis Jowski with the weak-ass voice. <laughs> and uh, I am the remnants of Kevin Daly's voice following on yet another cold. Uh, A wise man once said, if you want to stay healthy, don't have kids. Unfortunately, I did not heed that wise man's advice. Yeah. In fact, you doubled down. I did double down. I'm Kevin Daly. Well, what's left of him? <laughs> yep. And this week we're talking about Satan's School for Girls, 1973, directed by David Lowell Rich. Lieutenant, my sister did not commit suicide. She had no reason to kill herself. We went to some of the other classmates at the academy and the headmistress. No one could give us any further information. I'm going there. Well, you won't find out anything, nothing. This academy has its own tradition. It has been here, in this very place, for over 300 years. Some rodents break under the pressure, sooner or later, but without exception. All are driven to various forms of psychotic behavior. Oh, come on, Roberta. You can't believe they all committed suicide. Three girls from the same school? No, they were murdered. Or at least driven to do what they did. It's, it's a made-for-TV movie. It is a made-for-TV movie. It's produced by Aaron Spelling, who was, like, the television producer. I'm like, shit, Aaron Spelling. That dude's been around forever. Oh, he, he dead now, though, but... Melrose pra- Plays, Beverly Hills, 90210. The Love the shit. Boat, Charlie's Angels. The, yeah. See, that's the shit. I, I mentioned the shit that was uh, he was producing when I was growing up. Yeah. Also, his daughter was on those. Dude had 218 producer or executive producer credits. So let's Legend start number one. No. Yeah, let's start. We're now the Aaron Spelling fucking podcast. Forbes ranked him as the 11th highest earning deceased celebrity because of all the licensing and residuals from all of the shit he produced. That's crazy. He's often been portrayed as some kind of, like, soulless tyrant of television production, but I don't know the details. There really wasn't anything on Wikipedia, and I, I just didn't feel like going into the dark history of Aaron Spelling, you know? I'm, if I had to guess, it would probably not be good, because usually men with that kind of power during that era were not the... Uh, nicest people. <laughs> not nicest people on the planet. But, you know, you gotta pick your rabbit holes. Yeah, that might... Might have gotten a little too grim even for this show. Yep. So the director, David Lowell Rich, a lot of melodramatic TV movies. Uh, he did Runaway in 1973 about a runaway train. Um, he like did... The collect- like the Collective Soul song? Yeah. Um, he did three airline disaster movies in a row. <laughs> he did Horror at 37,000 Feet, SST Death Flight, and the Concord Airport 79. 
Those sound like titles of uh, Asylum ripoff films. Yeah, those sound like movies we're going to do. They do. The the horror at 37,000 feet has uh, William Shatner in it, if I recall correctly. No, that's the Twilight Zone episode horror at 27,000 feet. Oh. This is a whole 10,000 above that. They look down and spit on William Shatner and his gremlin. Nope, this one had Shatner in it too. Oh, it did, huh? Yeah. So William Shatner did two horror at X feet movies? Yes. Yes. Interesting. X priest in this <laughs> He's that's his character is X priest. It's got a name. He is uh Paul Kovalik. Okay. Kovalik probably. Took me a second to think on EX like formerly priest. Yeah, he's a formerly a former priest. Because at first I thought you meant like ex-priest, like ex-games. Yeah. We also have Buddy Ebsen in this movie. Ooh. And yeah, Dave... we may, may end up doing this one at some point. Yeah. So, Satan School for Girls is starring Pamela Franklin as Elizabeth Sayers slash Elizabeth Morgan. Yep. By this time, she had established herself as a screen queen after films like Necromancy and The Legend of Hill House. Her last film role was 1976's Food of the Gods, which we're doing because it's about giant killer animals. Uh, yes, I'm sure there's a week we could squeeze that. A theme week for that one. Yeah. Then we have Kate Jackson as Roberta Lockhart, one of two Charlie's Angels that are in this movie. Yes. And we're definitely covering her again in a, another made-for-TV movie, 1974's Killer Bees. Ah, uh, see, I told you, B-Week. Yeah, we gotta do another B-Week. She's also in the 2000 remake of Satan's School for Girls. So produced by Aaron Spelling. Yeah, it was. It was a 2000 ABC TV movie. Yep. And it had a cast that you would expect from a two, uh, 2000s TV movie. Um, We have Lloyd Bachner as Professor Delacroix. He's in the 1983 movie The Lonely Lady, which is one of mm. the worst fucking movies ever. It's a, just about a bunch of old dudes banging Piazzadora. That That's like the whole movie. Wow. Except for Ray Liotta, who rapes her with a hose. It's a grim, I mean, grim movie. Ray Liotta, that tracks. Yeah. He is also in the exploitation classic Mr. Nodelegs, which I learned about this week and realized we have to do that fucking movie. Oh, uh, that's why you were telling me about it. Got it. He plays Mr. Nodelegs' boss. Mr. No Legs being a guy that attaches shotguns to his wheelchair and goes about killing. Here I go killing again. Yep. We have Roy Thine, says Dr. Joseph Clampett. Uh, he was a regular on General Hospital and some show called The Invaders. He also did two airline disaster movies back to back. I guess those were popular at the time. Yeah, he did Airport 1975 and The Hindenburg. We have uh, Joe Van Fleet has... Uh, the headmistress, Mrs. Jessica Williams, Academy Award-winning actress for East of Eden in 1955. So I'm pretty sure she won uh, an Oscar. Yeah, and then she went Slum on... Slumming it here. Yeah, well, she went on to do a lot of television after that. She did play the stepmother in Rodgers and Hammerstein's Cinderella. Oh, okay. And she did have a little role in Cool Hand Luke. Oh, it's been so long since I've seen that movie. The junior in high school, sort of talking... 20 years, 20 plus years now. A long ass time ago. Then uh, we get Cheryl Ladd as Jody Keller, the other another, Charlie's uh, Angels. 
and another another angel. We saw her previously as the mom in Poison Ivy. Yep, we did. Second time showing up on our show rant somehow. Yeah. That, uh, Poison Ivy was episode 75. I'd like to point out we've had her on the show more than Michael Ironside, somehow. Yeah. Then we have Gwen Guilford as Lucy Dembrow, who you brought up to me was Chris Pine's mom. Yes, that is Chris Pine's mom, which I thought was very bizarre since I had just seen Wish, like, six hours before watching this movie. Yeah. It was very bizarre. Funny coincidence. So before we get into the movie... Uh, you can find more of our episodes at our website, exploititpodcast.com. Uh, we also get the link to our Discord channel there, which I learned I have to update every few days. So there but, is a working link there now. The link expires after seven days. Wow, that's kind of ass. How many weeks have I been plugging that, like, go to the website for the link? And it's it, Probably, like, a billion, probably a billion months, and, like, <laughs> everyone just goes there and it's like, well, doesn't fucking work. Yeah, I went to go get the link for uh, the the most recent watch party, and it was like, this link expires in seven days. I was like, oh, shit. We got that that under control now. Yeah, it's fixed now. Now, the the link that says visit our Discord server works. One might say, if the link wasn't blue, then (laughs) you couldn't click it. Yeah. So you can uh, join our watch parties on Thursday, like this week we did Satan School for Girls. So people could watch that movie. Yep. We also show the Tales from the Crypt episodes each week there, too. And then you can follow us on Instagram at Podcast, or on, I'm just going to dead name it, Twitter. There you go. At Podcast Exploit. Or contact us at ExploitedPodcast at gmail.com. I honestly think that that X is going to be called Twitter up until the... And no one will call it X and before it just dies. Like, no one uses it anymore. Yeah, it won't be in the history books as X. Like, who the fuck calls Facebook meta? Scammers, actually. Yeah, yeah. If anybody's referring to it, yeah, Facebook as meta, just assume it's a robot. <laughs> because scammers will try to get you to, to, to chat with them on WhatsApp. And if you're like, oh, I, I ain't gonna go to WhatsApp, they go, but it's from meta. Like, scammer slash AI slash robot. Yep. So we jump right into Gran Turismo here. Yeah, we get uh, <coughs> some uh, very nice driving footage. Yeah, we get this girl, Martha, who's in a high-speed chase with with nobody. And then she sees a payphone, decides to call for help. And, oh, we get, this movie dates itself on that phone call. Because, first of all, she sees, like, operator, I'd like to make a collect call to Elizabeth Sayers in Los Angeles. The number is KO58937. Huh. Yeah, that's way before. I'm, yeah, wow. Yeah, where they had letters in the exchange instead of just numbers. And she starts start smoking. And then uh, she sees like an evil hobo coming her way. So she runs, she runs off and the hobo just picks her cigarette up off the ground and smokes it. Come if you got him. Yeah, he's like, oh, well, you know, it's here. So she goes all the way to Elizabeth's house, and she's knocking on the door, screaming for help. And I got a note about how much I like 70s women's fashion. Yeah. Men's fashion, not so much. Not so much men's, but women's... I don't I don't need to see any more gold chain and chest hair. You do get to see that here. Oh, yeah. It's the 70s. It's fucking 70s. Of course you do. 
But but Martha here, she's wearing white flared jeans, a red turtleneck, a black denim jacket. I yeah, mean, it's actually nice. Yeah. And then some creepy old dude with the hand scythe walks up and he's like, oh, Elizabeth ain't home. Yeah, I'll go ahead and let you in. <laughs> it's like the prophet from fucking Friday the 13th. Yeah. Only he's not evil, it turns out. He's just creepy. Literally just a kind of weird neighbor. Yeah. So Martha's safe in the house, you know, chilling next to these nice floor-to-ceiling windows overlooking a lake. Yeah, man, that's a nice view. Yeah. I don't know where in Los Angeles it is, but... Pyramid Lake, maybe? Or that's, like, not really Los Angeles, but... Yeah, because she told the operator Los Angeles... I mean, those are at least in, like, towards Lancaster, up kind of in... I think it's still in L.A. County at that point. Yeah. That's that's the best I can think of, because... I mean, how many big, nice lakes are there in, like, L.A. County? Like, those are the only two I can think of. Pyramid Lake and Castaic. Those are the only two. Yeah. So then she sees someone off screen, and she's like, No, no, please, no! And she screams, and then we cut. Yeah, uh, some double, double bad overacting... She had her, like, overacting the scream, and then it's like, the director's like, I need this scene longer, so they just had her do it again. Yeah, so the police are at the house when Elizabeth shows up in her sporty little convertible and her cute short hair. And running very weird. Yeah. She's got this little trot. Like, arms swinging out. I'm like, that's not the most elegant of runs. John, the neighbor, is out there with his hand skites going, I don't know what's happening, ma'am. And the police are there... You know, she's, like, opening the door, and there's one of them little little tiny door chains. Yeah. And she's like, Elizabeth, can you come undo the chain? And so she asks the, the cops if they can break it. And they fucking shoot it! It's like, yeah, look, I, I don't know. They just That guy just wanted to use his gun. Yeah, those things aren't that strong. I, I broke one once just by knocking on a door too hard. This guy needed a gun. I guess I probably didn't need it, just wanted to use it. Martha's just hanging out in the living room. <laughs> Boo. Oh, yeah. <laughs> she's she's hanging. She's dead. <laughs> and yeah. Elizabeth is now trying to convince the police detective that this wasn't a suicide. And she's like, yeah, my sister was happier than she's been in years. But, you know, depression can be deceiving like that. That's true. Robin there Williams. Was no there was no note, though. There was no note. And the... the Detective also points out the doors and windows were all locked from the inside. Yeah, so that's the thing. It's like how how did whoever like if someone did it, <laughs> how did I'm, they get out? How did they get out without this? Like, okay, they might have been like say they were biding their time and they're in hiding. It's like okay, that's great. Yeah, and, how did they get out without disturbing anything? And Elizabeth is like, why would she get a plane from Massachusetts, hire a car at the airport, and drive all the way to my house to kill herself? Yeah, that is a little sus. Yeah, well, the detective's like, hey, ain't no rationale for suicide. That's, I mean, he's right. Also, presumably it's LAPD and they're busy as fuck. And so, um, yeah, apparently Martha was going to school in Massachusetts. And Elizabeth is like, did you talk to her friends at school? What about her roommate, Lucy Denbro? Oh, yeah, we talked to them all. Nobody could give us information. Case is closed. Yeah, he's not doing a, a lot of detective work here. Yeah, and so... She's like, well, it's not closed for me, and she's on the very next plane to Massachusetts. So we got this kind of Jallo vibe here. 
It is a nice Giallo vibe. And the movie does, the movie feels kind of like a Giallo film, and I, I always appreciate I appreciated that. She is out to solve a mystery. Yep. On her own, because the police can't or won't. And we meet Lucy Dembro, who I think is insane. Because... Well, yeah. She's got this house, and it has like 800 potted plants everywhere. Oh, you you telling me you haven't met <laughs> people who are, like, really into plants? Yeah, I'm like, and she's just drinking all the time. She's well, we like, kind of we kind of know why. She's like, would you like some vodka? No, no, okay. And she's just openly day drinking, like, whiskey from a carafe. I imagine that she has cats, but she she probably hid all 20 of them. But no, you you watch it. You could just smell the ammonia of a cat lady's house when you look at this woman in her red pants and her black vest. Elizabeth, however, has a green and white plaid dress that's actually pretty cute with a white collar and white platform heels. Because it's the 70s. Yeah. And so Lucy is clearly like repressing trauma with alcohol and houseplants. Right. Well, again, like in hindsight, we know exactly what went on. So I don't know why. And when Elizabeth is like, well, I'm going to go check out the school, Lucy's like, no, no, you're not going to find anything at school. Don't go to the school. There's nothing there. D d don't tell anyone at the school you talk to me. So now we know there's shady shit happening at that school. Uh, the Salem Academy for Women. Yeah, Salem. That's subtle. Yeah. And we get some real Peyton Place-esque shit here with the music and the scenic drive through New England. Yeah. And goddammit, I decided to finally add Peyton Place to the schedule. <laughs> I finally got kind of got you there. Yeah. And now she's undercover. She's the new student, Elizabeth Morgan. And we get a welcoming committee made up of Roberta Lockhart, played by uh, Kate Jackson. And they're referring to the headmistress as the Dragon Lady, which is pretty cliche, if you ask me. Oh, yeah. The other girls are uh, Debbie Jones and Jody Keeler, played by Cheryl Ladd. It would be so much better if Debbie had been in a uh, a Charlie's Angels. That way it would have been like three Charlie's Angels there. That would have been very amusing. No, but I did look up Debbie. She's played by Jamie Smith Jack Jackson. Uh-huh. Uh, she started her career as Alice in the TV movie Go Ask Alice. Oh. Uh, she did the TV series of Planet of the Apes. I was not even aware they did a TV series of Planet of the Apes. And um, then there I found out there was a series of TV movies called Havin' Babies, and that she was in Havin' Babies 2 and 3 with Rue McClanahan. And I don't know why I got such a kick out of the title, just Havin' Babies. Like, yo, these motherfuckers out here having babies. Havin' Babies and shit. <laughs> yeah. I looked them up, they sound like totally terrible movies, they're just women having babies is all. I don't know how you made a three-film series out of that. Well, I don't know how Hallmark makes one story into 30 different movies every year, but they do. They do. So Elizabeth is looking swell in her dark green skirt, white-colored blouse, and bright pink sweater vest. You're uh, all in on this fashion. <laughs> yeah. Debbie's casually wearing black pants and an untucked blue button-up work shirt with a green bandana. And Roberta has flared jeans, a black turtleneck, and a blue denim jacket. I think that's the last time I noted their outfits, though. <laughs> Alexis is becoming a fashionista over here. Yeah. And so they talk about how bad the headmistress is. 
You know, she's a bad painter, a lousy sculptor, and a worse musician. And they're like, yeah, and the professors are all stupid. But they bring up that Jody's got a crush on the, the head of the fine arts department. Which the girls are like, yeah, we all do. And so then they all hang out to drink fancy French wine. Out of a big fucking ass goblet. Yeah, this gigantic, like, community wine glass. And they're like, take a big swallow, because you're going to need it for the dragon lady. And we meet the headmistress, who I had to note her line that she says here. That we here at Salem Academy feel that girls of good breeding are more easily groomed into young ladies of culture and refinement. Eugenic shit right there. That is. Sometimes I feel like the far north of the U.S. when you get into like the New England area is more racist than the South ever was. She's like, so many young people today have so little regard for the traditional things. And I'm like, okay, so she's a moral conservative. Yeah, she, she's a terrible person. Right off the things were better back before. Young people are evil. We here at Salem Academy feel that girls of good breeding are more easily groomed into young ladies of culture and refinement. We do have our traditions here. But then I suppose, like most traditions, they're meant to be broken. Not all of them. Oh, good. I, I'm so pleased to hear you say that. I don't know, it seems to me that so many young people today, especially in the arts, tend to have little regard for traditional techniques, the classic forms. Picasso was a realist painter before he was an Impressionist. It's a lovely reference, my dear. Now, this academy has its own tradition. Under different names, it has been here, in this very place, for over 300 years. And apparently this academy is old and has been there for over 300 years. Yeah, how about that? Yeah, that would put it at about, oh, 1673? Yeah, what was going on around there? I don't know. I don't know. Witch trials and shit. Yeah. And <laughs> eh, nothing interesting happened in Salem. I don't know what you're talking about. Yep. And so she's like, you're going to start your first class today. Okay. Here, take this fucking kerosene lamp. Oh, yeah, because the place has fucking power outages randomly. Yeah. And she's like, we're, we're far from the main power line. And I'm like, you are? Because there's an entire suburban community right there that we saw when she drove up. <laughs> They're they're bogarting all of the fucking power. Yeah. And so her schedule includes graphic and fine arts with Professor Clampett, and then behavioral psychology with Professor Delacroix. So I'm like, okay, is this a college? Could but or a high school? Yeah, I was wondering that that was the note I made too. Is this a college or private high school? I think it's supposed to be a college. Yeah. And so then the headmistress gets a phone call and we all zoom in all serious. And she's like, the new girl arrived. No, no. And we cut to a commercial break. Hi, this is Lucifer? Yeah. <laughs> you know, it totally fades out, like, for obvious commercial break. Yeah. And then we're back, and we're in graphic arts class with Professor Clampett, who's talking all about illusion and reality. Well, the world is an illusion. Yeah. Oh, you don't know what's, uh, you know. Let me show you some optical illusions. And I don't know if it's foreshadowing. I think it wants to be. Right. But the movie's too lame to really stick with it as a theme. Yeah. Nothing is true. Everything is permitted. And he's like, let's look at all your art. And they start with Roberta's 
landscape, this boring-ass picture of a tree. I mean, it's uh, like a, it's like Bob Ross at home. It is Bob Ross at home. And then let's look at Debbie's picture, and it's Martha just being terrified in some basement. And, you know, Elizabeth is the only one that really notices, oh shit, that's Martha. That's my sister. Yeah, nobody else knows, even though they all knew this girl. Well, now that we know a little bit, anyway. And Elizabeth is like, hey, hey, Debbie, I liked your painting, uh, tell me more about it. She's like, oh, the girl's Martha, she's a student, she's dead. <laughs> yeah. Were you close? No, I just thought she was good for the picture. And then we get the next class. With a fucking Rat Daddy Delacroix. Yeah. <sighs> maze me, Daddy. <laughs> yeah. Uh, he's got this big giant maze with rats squeaking, and he's like, Hey, so sometimes they'll find food, sometimes they won't. We'll teach them it's behind the red door, then we'll move it to the white door, and then once they learn that, we'll switch it again. I just love to fucking dom these little rat bitches. <laughs> and I thought, what do you describe this? I go... Why? Yeah. And someone asked that, one of the girls asked that question. I'm like, exactly, to what end? It's like, do you know Debbie? No, I don't know. Doesn't anybody know why I have all of these little rat nipple clamps that I've made? <laughs> because you're an asshole? But, but when Debbie's like, I don't know, he's like, of course not, Debbie, you suck. Uh, I might as well ask the rats. And Elizabeth is like, oh, yeah, it's to make them passive so they're unable to fight back. And he's like, yes, that's exactly why I do it. I'm like, why would you want to do that? I'm going to stick with my asshole theory. Dude, dude just loves to dom rats. Yeah, Jesus. He's got like a little rat paddle he spanks them with. And yeah, he's, a, he's a weird guy. You'll see that the eating cycle of the rodents will become more intense. They'll work harder and fight harder to get food that sometimes will be where they expect it and sometimes it will not. We'll teach them that the food is always behind the red door. And when they have that well learned, we'll take the food away and put it behind the white door. And when they learn that, we'll switch again and again and again. To what end, Roberta? To frustrate it, uh, drive it crazy. Why would I want to do that? Debbie. I don't know. Of course not. I might as well ask the rodents as asked you. What's the purpose of this experiment? To make them passive. And why would we want to do that? So that they're not able to fight back again? Exactly. To show that a mind can be broken to any level by manipulation. And locked on that level. To make it believe what we want. To act as we wish. And, um... Oh. Honestly, all of it's just to set a, a set the red herring up that he's the villain. Yeah, because he goes on about, like, the mind can be broken at any level by manipulation. We'll make the rats our little bitches and act as we wish. <laughs> and Debbie's terrified of the guy. 
Like, when they get out of class, she starts panicking. She's like, when you step on its tail, it squeaks. But when you step on its head, it doesn't squeak. Ah! Yeah, she... She, yeah, she, uh, she, she might be under a lot of stress because uh, some shit happens. Yeah, and so uh, they, they, they take her to get help, and then when she wakes up, she remembers none of it, and they're like, "Okay, Debbie, you wait here. We're gonna. We don't want to be late for Professor Clampett's wine party." Yeah, because uh, it's it's completely reasonable that this young professor is getting all of these coeds drunk. Yeah. When I was in school, there was never any, like, school function that served alcohol. Yeah, I don't recall. Yeah, we didn't even have beer at the football games. No. But and I, went uh, to a major, I went to a major public university, and we didn't have... Now, that said, everybody got fucking shit-faced before they went into the game, but, yeah, but it was not, in the stadium. It was not condoned by the school. Right. They didn't have professors setting up drinking parties with the students. Wine tastings with the students. Yeah, and it's exactly as advertised. A bunch of students just hanging out, drinking wine, getting drunk in his classroom. And um, so Elizabeth and Roberta are like, hey, can you make Delacroix stop being creepy? And he's like, oh, I don't know. And then let's see. Uh, yeah. The, the headmistress is actually very concerned about Debbie asking Jody questions. Like, are you aware of any unusual conduct in your teachers or classmates? You know, while there's this drinking party going on. (laughs) And then uh, Jody goes into the party a little later to break the bad news that Lucy Denbroke committed suicide. And I'm like, the alcoholic plant lady, no! (laughs) Sus. And Debbie just goes, that's two of us. And then it's it's a dark and stormy night. Elizabeth's gotta gotta use her school issued kerosene lantern to go uh talk to Debbie about these suicides. And Debbie's like, It's like they were rats in Delacroix's maze. Maybe we are all rats. Well, despite all her rage, she is still just a rat in a cage. And she's like, What about the creepy room you painted Debbie in? Oh, I don't know. I think it's at the school I can't really remember. So Elizabeth dares to venture out, you know, and she Here's the squeaking rats in Delacroix's classroom. And um, before she walks in on him, dressing them up in little fucking gimp suits. <laughs> <laughs> that doesn't actually happen in the movie, but it makes good headcanon. Yes. She uh, she goes to the art class to look at the painting and then takes it to, to try and find this room. And she wanders around like into some creepy basement. Like it's a fucking map. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And she's looking all around the basement, looking at the picture. Nope, nope, these 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 ceiling boards are wrong. It's like, you do realize it's probably artistic interpretation, right? Yeah. Right. Then she does find the room, and there's somebody with a knife there, and she screams and runs out. Delacroix comes out with the knife. Don't mind me, just carving some rats in here. Yeah. Greetings, my fellow degenerates. This is Rat Daddy Delacroix, the premier rat pimp of New England, here to tell you about the good times to be had at Rat Daddy Delacroix's Rodent Brothel, just outside Boston, Massachusetts. Do you like to dominate rats? Humiliate them? Think they're little rodent asses as you let them know their place in the world? Or perhaps you're a bratty stub for rats and thrill at the feel of their whiskers on your asshole as they squeak about what a naughty little bitch you are. 
no matter your rodent king, here at Rat Daddy Delacroix's Rodent Brothel, we make your fantasies become reality. Now, you're probably thinking this is just like any other rodent brothel where it's just girls in rat costumes and you're just not into furries. Hey, we're not into that furry BS either. Here at Rat Daddy Delacroix's Rodent Brothel, these are real rats running around in a maze looking for a cheese and waiting for a big daddy dom like you to control them. We have all the plague-bearing pussy you could want. Or rat dick too, if that's what you're into. So, if you're into some kinky BDSM play involving rats, as I'm sure you all are, come on down to Rat Daddy Delacroix's Rodent Brothel for the time of your life. And so she runs back. She's like, Debbie, I found the room. And she's like, no, you didn't. It doesn't exist. Leave me alone. And then um, in the hallway, Roberta starts saying, oh, hey, did you know that a long time ago, a bunch of people were killed here in a creepy cellar? It was like the Salem witch trials or something. Yeah. <laughs> like, huh, how about that? And they're like, oh, there was someone in that cellar. I saw him. But don't tell Debbie. But Debbie's standing like two feet away. And then we get that fucking psychology class again in Delacroix hating on rats. He starts talking about it takes some of the rats longer to croak crack than the others. Yeah, he's a, he's a bit of a sadist. <laughs> and he's talking about terror. He's like, well, the subjects are in abject terror. Let's examine what they're afraid of. And I'm like... They're afraid of which one of them's getting the ball gag. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, this dude is the fucking scarecrow. Yeah. <laughs> He's fucking Dr. Jonathan Crane, who was a professor of psychology. Because <laughs> he's just I feel like, like I love my psychiatrists, and, but I, I, I tell you, uh, sometimes it does feel like the people who really heavily want to study psychiatry, psychology, are, are the ones that have the most problems themselves. Yeah. He's like, uh, nobody knows what he's talking about because he's just ranting about terror and fear. And he's like, well, I wonder if Debbie is taking this experiment as lightly as all of you. Just just right out there admitting, I've been torturing Debbie. Yeah, I mean, he seems to be performing his mind experiments on them as well. Yeah. So Debbie gets up that night and tries to sneak out. Um, She, she does get out. Doors open. She's all giddy and she runs away happy. Well, so we think. Because then Elizabeth takes Roberta down to the cellar to shore the creepy room. And guess what? There's Debbie's dead fucking body. Yep. And it fades to commercial break. <laughs> so um, they go to wake up the headmistress. They get the police and Dr. Clampett involved. And Elizabeth is like, hey, there's there's three dead students from the school. That's not a coincidence. And they start looking through all the files in the office and they find that all the dead girls' off, um, files are missing. Yeah, how about that? Um, And they're like, well, maybe the headmistress doesn't know. Or maybe she's evil. Let's go check Delacroix's lab because we know he's definitely the, the, the bad guy, right? Right. And then on the way, Elizabeth is like, you know what? All the dead girls didn't have parents either. Yeah, their parents were all dead. Okay, well, let, we're here at the lab now. And um, there's no squeaking mice this time, but they find all the missing files just, just fucking laying there. Yep. And, and then a bunch of dead mice. <laughs> yeah, d d dead brats everywhere. And Delacroix's like... They were all slaughtered. I know why you came and who sent you. It won't stop me. You killed the rats the way it wants to kill me. You know, and so yeah, he lost all of his. He lost all of his sub rats. <laughs> yeah, 
And he's like, I won't let them win. And he jumps out of a window and falls like three stories, but he's fine. He just gets up and runs. And the girls are like, oh, well, that that was unexpected. Yeah, that that was a little weird. (laughs) And so they're like, Dr. Clampett, Delacroix killed all his rats and jumped out the window. He's got a gun. And he's like, it's it's cool. You stay here. I'll, I'll, I'll go talk to Delacroix. And we get this chase scene. Delacroix's just flailing around in the dark, looking like an absolute madman. <laughs> yeah. And eventually he falls down to a stream and he can't swim. And then all these girls come out with these sticks and they just keep poking at him in the stream and they drown him. Yeah. And then meanwhile, Roberta and Elizabeth are together and Roberta is just doting on Clampett like she's in love with him. But it's a special kind of love. It's like the love between a cultist and yeah. Cult. And um, she's like, he gave me all the encouragement and power to live. And she's like, yeah, yeah, you, you, he, he can't help you if you fight him, Elizabeth. He can't help you if you resist him. So yeah, we know now Clampett's a, a fucking cult leader. <laughs> yep. But Elizabeth hasn't caught on yet. Elizabeth is like, oh, wow, that sounds like a lovely teacher. By the yeah. way, my last name is Sayers and the my sister was Martha. And I came to the school to investigate because I never believed she committed suicide. Oh, well, Dr. Clampett tried to help her. <laughs> and then Clampett comes back in. He's like, I couldn't find him. He got away. He could come back. So you girls go up and hide hide in my classroom. And that's when uh, Roberta just goes up and is like, hey, Dr. Clampett, did you know Elizabeth was Martha Sayer's sister? Like some fucking friend she is, right? <laughs> you blew my cover. But Elizabeth is like, oh, no. We all trust you, Dr. Clampett. Then Dr. Clampett is, like, talking to the headmistress and is like, we need to empty the school, evacuate everybody. And the headmistress is fucking terrified of him. (laughs) It would be best to clear the girls out of here for the night. Why? What are you going to do? Just clear the school. No. No, I won't let you do any more. I don't know why I've let you do what you've done. But it's over now. It's all over. Oh, please. Please. Don't make me do any more. Please. Jessica. Yes, Dr. Clampert. You'll do as you're told. Yes, Dr. Clampert. You'll tell them and the rest of the staff it's because of the power failure. And tell them that the power company has notified us that it can't be restored and it would be dangerous. I want everybody out. Yes, whatever you say. It won't be long now. It's almost over. So all the girls get evacuated out onto these minibuses. And they're like, oh, there's still eight girls in there. And Clampett's like, oh, yeah, I'll take care of it. I'll get them. Yeah, eight girls. What, what was the number of girls that uh, died of the... I don't know. Thing well? Oh, it was eight. Yeah. How about that? 
So Elizabeth and Roberta, they're hiding in the office completely ignorant until they see, like, the last bus leaving. They're like, what the fuck? And then Elizabeth runs out, you know, tries to get in her car, and guess what? There's Delacroix's dead fucking body. Yep. And it fades to commercial. And then I mean, we- yeah, it's, it's got all the, the commercial beats are where you'd expect them to be. And then we now return for the exciting conclusion of Satan School for Girls. Right. So they go to see the uh, the headmistress, tell her what's up, but she's she's broken. She's just like, the headmistress isn't here right now. She told me to wait for her. She's going to punish me. Uh, she's gone back to uh, when she was a student there. Mrs. Williams? Mrs. Williams, Professor Delacroix's dad, he's been murdered. The headmistress isn't here right now. She told me to wait for her. She's going to punish me. I know she is. But she's wrong. It's a lie. Somebody told her a lie about me. I wasn't in that room. I would never go down there. What's wrong with her? I don't know. Did you tell her? I'll bet you were the ones who told her I went down to that room. Forget her. Get the police. Hey, what are you doing? You can't use that phone. Miss Abigail doesn't let anybody use that phone. Operator? Operator? I can't get anybody. Phones must be out, too. Everybody's gone. I saw them leave. What are you talking about? All the buses. They were headed toward town. But I think we're the only ones here. You better get out of this office. Miss Abigail will give you demerits if she catches you here. I was hoping it would tell us more about Miss Abigail. Nope. Because the primary antagonist in the Salem Witch Trials was 12-year-old Abigail Williams. Oh. Maybe Miss Abigail... They don't go that route, though. No, they don't bother to extrapolate. No. So they decide to go to the cellar, because Roberta's like, well, there's a gun in the cellar that you showed me yesterday, so that's not sus. And so uh, Roberta knows exactly where to get the key to the gun cabinet, you know, and opens it. The weapons are gone, but she's like, oh, here, I found this revolver, and I know how to load it up. And they go in the cellar, and Clampett's there with all of his cult girls in white robes, and they're all smiling. Yep, and they push uh, Elizabeth in there, and Roberta puts on her robe and joins the gang. And Clampett's like, eight of my girls died here. You know, and they're like, join us, Elizabeth. Uh, They they refer to Clampett as Malleus Malficarum. Yeah, the hammer of the witches. Yes, which I had to stop and look up. I I knew that, but only because uh, there's an AFI song called that. Yeah, which I learned. It was actually the it was actually the book used to condemn, which is yeah. It was the name of the treatise. the The guy that wrote it was named Henrik Kramer in the 15th century. Yep. He blamed all women for lust and condemned them all as witches. He was like the first incel. <laughs> the proto incel. Yeah, and he wrote this this book, Malleus Malficarum, the Hammer of Witches, as a way to to try people for. To try women for witchcraft, which they didn't buy it too much at the time. In fact, they, they kind of like kicked him out of Germany, but the Puritans picked it up and loved that shit. Yeah, well, the Puritans were a special sort. Yeah. And then Roberta's like, some call him Satan. So we get that Dr. Clampett is Satan. Yes. And he's like, come join my Satan cult. <clears throat> and he's like, tonight, you know, we're all gonna, we're, we're gonna live forever. So Elizabeth throws her kerosene lantern, breaks it, you know, starts this big fire in the cellar as she runs away. And if he's actually Satan, I'm not sure he would uh, 
give too much of a shit about the fire. Oh, he doesn't. But he just tells the girls, hey, girls, wait here. In the room that is on fire. Yeah, he just lets them burn to death. And they're just smiling. Yeah, we'll wait for you, Mr. Clampy. You know, they, they all burn to death, obviously. Yeah, they'll see them in hell anyway. It's fine. Yeah. So she goes to the headmistress, who's just like, I forgot to water the plants. You won't tell Miss Abigail, will you? Elizabeth is like, oh, well, I mean, I didn't get any fucking help from you. <laughs> and so she runs off as the police and fire trucks are showing up. Clampett goes down the stairs, walks into the flames, and I guess he just fucks off to hell. Yep. You know, all like, the girls well, are, are dead. He's <laughs> like, well, back to hell I go. And somebody's asking Elizabeth, like, where's Dr. Clampett? And she goes, where he belongs. But we see him, like, just on the other side of a creek smoking. Work here is done. And he, then he fades away. The end. Yeah. It's not a terrible movie. It's just mid. Yeah, very it, dull. Very dull. Like, kind of obvious. The ending was unsatisfying. Well, A, I didn't know it was a TV movie when I picked it. I just thought, ooh, Satan's School for Girls. That sounds like a sexy fucking horror film. Yeah, it was, it really, there was nothing really sexy about it. No, there's not. At all. This thing is so safe for television. This thing aired at like 6 p.m. You could show it to your kids. Pretty sure there wasn't, there wasn't even like any kissing or anything. No. Very chaste. The only mention of like romance was that all the girls had a crush on, on Satan. The most scandalous it gets is Delacroix and his rats. Rat Daddy yeah. Delacroix. Rat Daddy Delacroix, kinky as fuck, but... Uh, Top rat pimp in New Orleans, in New England. Yeah. So as far as coffee, this is just um, regular-ass coffee. Folgers? <laughs> yeah. Like, you go into any random coffee uh, diner, and you just order coffee, and, they, you know, you don't know where it came from. It doesn't taste particularly good, but it's not bad. <laughs> Tastes like moral conservative panic. It does. But I mean, this is certainly one of the movies of all time. This is, in fact, one of the movies of all time. Yeah, I really can't say much about it, just other than it exists. It it commits the cardinal sin of movies to me, and it's really boring. Like, it doesn't do anything interesting. It's shot relatively well, I guess, especially for a TV movie, but... Yeah. That's about it. It has Chris Pine's mom. It has Chris Pine's mom, and two Charlie's Angels... That's that's the box back of the box review, featuring Chris Pine's mom and two, two Charlie's Angels. Yep. So our other episode for the week is going to be T West's House of the Devil, which that's going to be fun. That's a good movie. Hail, Hail Satan! Hail Satan! So stay tuned for that this week, and then next week is uh, Sam. <laughs> that's our theme next week, Sam. <laughs> we will catch you then. Oh yes.